Good afternoon, and welcome to Open Book, Friday's edition of Cover to Cover. I'm Amelia Gonzalez. Today, we continue with bringing you the voice of one of Latin America's most acclaimed writers, Eduardo Galeano. His works, from the trilogy Memory of Fire to the classic Open Veins of Latin America, are a unique blend of history, fiction, journalism, and political analysis. His books have been translated into more than 20 languages. Born in Uruguay in 1940, Eduardo Galeano began writing newspaper articles as a teenager. By the age of 20, he became editor-in-chief of La Marcha. A few years later, he took the top post at Montevideo's daily newspaper, Epoca. And at 31, Galeano wrote his most famous book, The Open Veins of Latin America, Five Centuries of the Pillage of a Continent. After this 1973 military coup in Uruguay, Galeano was imprisoned and forced to leave the country. He settled in Argentina, where he founded and edited a cultural magazine, Crisis. There, Galeano's name was added to the list of those condemned by the death squads after the 1976 military coup. He moved to Spain, where he began his classic work, Memory of Fire, a three-volume narrative of the history of America, North and South. He eventually returned home to his native Uruguay, where he now lives. The following is part two of Eduardo Galeano's reading of his book, Mirrors, Stories of Almost Everyone, when it was recently published in 2009. We continue this reading where you hear his vignettes that embrace the exalted and the humble and consistently privilege the narratives of the dispossessed across disparate civilizations and centuries, but always with an unflinching eye and irony trained on the present. Stay with us as we visit with Eduardo Galeano. Oliver Law is black and red and a working man. He left Chicago to fight for the Spanish Republic in the ranks of the Lincoln Brigade. In the, in the brigade, blacks do not form a separate regiment. For the first time in the history of the United States, whites and blacks mix. And for the first time in the history of the United States, white soldiers obey the orders of a black commanding officer, an unusual commander. When Oliver Law gives the order to attack, he does not watch his men through, through binoculars. No, he's the first to join the fight. But then, all the volunteers in the in the brigades are are unusual. They do not fight to win medals or conquer lands or or capture oil wells. Sometimes Oliver wonders, since this Spanish war is a, is a war between whites who for centuries has held us in slavery, why am I a Negro? Why am I here? And he answers, he himself answers, 
we came to wipe out the fascists. And laughing he adds, as if it were a joke, some of us must die doing the job. Brunette, Battle of Brunette, Summer of 1937, Oliver Law takes a bullet in the breast. Another short story from Spain. Before, one year before, the other one about Oliver Law. When the Spanish elections were imminent, it happened in the outskirts of Seville, Sevilla, winter of 1936. A gentleman is riding about his lands when a man in tatters crosses his path. Without getting off his horse, the gentleman calls him over and puts in his hand a coin and a list of candidates. The man lets them fall, coin and list, and turning his back, he says, In my hunger, I am in charge, and mi hambre mando yo. homage to my two of my masters, uh, Mark Twain and Ambrose Beers. Some months after invading Iraq, President George W. Bush said his model has been, had been the War of Philippines. Both wars, Iraq and Philippines, were inspired from heaven. Bush disclosed that God had ordered him to act as he did. He, he didn't say how. <laughs> by, by mail, by fax, by phone. Who knows? And a century beforehand, President William McKinley also heard the voice from the great beyond. God told me, he said, that we could not leave the Filipinos to themselves. They were unfit for self-government. There was nothing left for us but to take them all and to educate them and uplift and civilize and Christianize them. Thus the Philippines were liberated from the Filipino threat and, and, and along the way, the United States also saved Cuba, Puerto Rico, Honduras, Colombia, Panama, Dominican Republic, Hawaii, Guam, Samoa. At the time, uh, writer Ambrose Pierce revealed, war is God's way of teaching us geography. (laughs) 
and his colleague, his colleague Mark Twain, leader of the anti-imperialist league, designed a new flag for the nation, featuring little skulls in place of stars. And General Frederick Funston suggested Twain ought to be hanged for treason. Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn defended their father. <laughs> Being mirrors uh, a homage to human diversity, of course it includes some stories about sexual diversity which is a very important part of, of the colors of our rainbow, the human rainbow. And so I, I want to read one of the stories, which is about uh, the father of the computers, beginning with a confession, because I had during years and years and some prejudices against computers. <laughs> I, I had the, no, it's true. Now, now I, I, I believe computers are, are very useful. And uh, as soon as you don't, if you don't become the, um, the tool of your tools, the machine of your machines, as soon as your program doesn't program you, then it's very useful. But during, during many years I, I, I felt and I still have this suspicion that, that computers drink at night. <laughs> that when, when nobody sees them, when nobody sees them, they drink whiskey, rum, wine, beer. And that's why in the daytime, they, they, they do such, so, so weird things, <laughs> unexplainable things. It's an enigma. No? But speaking seriously, I, I, now I, I do use computers. I continue, I write by hand. No? But finally, I, I get into the computer, and I, I think it's a very, very important tool of humanity. And each time we, we turn off, on, we turn on, we, we, we begin using each day, we turn on the computer, we should begin saying, thanks, thanks you, thanks a lot, thanks to the father of the computer. The father of the computer was an Englishman, uh, a genius, a scientific called Alan Turing, and this is his story. At that point, Alan Turing, well, no, let's begin a little before. He was working for British intelligence during the Second World War, and he helped shorten it because he invented a machine that could crack the impenetrable military codes used by Germany's high command. At that point, he had already dreamed up a prototype for an electronic computer and had laid out the theoretical basis for today's information systems. And later on, he led the team that built the first computer to operate with integrated programs. 
He played interminable chess games with it and asked questions that drove it nuts. And he insisted that he write him love letters, but the machine responded by emitting rather incoherent messages. But it was not a machine. It was not a machine. No. No. Flesh and blood, Manchester policemen arrested him in 1952 for gross indecency. At the trial, Turing pled guilty to being a homosexual. To be set free, he agreed to undergo medical treatment to cure him of the affliction because homosexuality was a, a, a sickness and a crime, both. The bombardment of drugs left him impotent and he grew breasts and he stayed indoors, no longer went to university, he heard murmurs felt the stars reeling into his back, and so on, so on. He had the habit of eating an apple before going to bed, and one night, one night, he injected cyanide into the apple he was about to eat. El amor que pasa la vida que pesa, la muerte que pisa. Hay dolores inevitables y así es nomás y ni modo. Pero las autoridades planetarias agregan dolor al dolor y encima nos cobran ese favor que nos hacen. En dinero contante y sonante pagamos cada día el impuesto al valor agregado y en desdicha contante y sonante pagamos cada día el impuesto al dolor agregado el dolor agregado se disfraza de fatalidad del destino como si fueran la misma cosa la angustia que nace de la fugacidad de la vida y la angustia que nace de la fugacidad del empleo love wanes life wakes death wastes some griefs are inevitable that is the way it is not much can be done about it but those in charge of the planet pile grief on top of grief and then charge us for the favor We pay the value-added tax every day in cold, hard cash and every day in cold, hard misfortune. We pay the grief-added tax. The added sorrow comes disguised as fate or destiny, as if the anguish born of the fleeting life were the same as the anguish born of the fleeting jumps.
listening to part two of Eduardo Galeano as he reads from his book, Mirrors, Stories of Almost Everyone, published in 2009. It's open book, Friday's edition of Cover to Cover. Something about a symbol of our time, a symbol of our world, the world. The Berlin Wall was on the news every day. From morning till night we read, saw, heard the wall of shame, the wall of infamy, the Iron Curtain. In the end, this wall, which deserved to fall, fell. But other, other walls sprouted in continuous sprouting across the world even though they are much larger than that one in Berlin, we hear little or nothing about them. Little is said about the wall the United States is building along the Mexican border, and little is said about the barbed wire barriers surrounding the Spanish enclaves on the African coast. Practically, Nothing is said about the West Bank Wall. The West, the West Bank Wall, which perpetuates the Israeli occupation of Palestinian lands and will be 15 times longer than the Berlin Wall. And nothing, nothing at all is said about the Morocco Wall, which perpetuates the, the seizure of the Saharan homeland by the Kingdom of Morocco and this 60 times, 60 times the length of the Berlin Wall. Why are some walls so loud and others mute? Who knows? Who knows? I am at the end of a killing tour. I don't know how many cities, in how many cities I was. Nine, ten, twenty, fifty, one thousand cities, I don't know. <laughs> so I am now something like uh, the remains of myself. I, well, of course, in the readings and in this close relationship with, with readers, this is something like a feast, a feast of encounters, as a ceremony of communion, and who, which uh, feeds me, but also eats me. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so now I, I, I'm at the end of it, and I have crossed, I have passed by, I don't know how many airports, and airports are torture chambers nowadays. <laughs> oh, it's, it's unbelievable. So many, that people shouting uh, in loud voice orders that they can't understand. And I, 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 I began tattering like a stupid man. I am half of me, but not entirely. And, 
And then I, I, I began doing again and again and again this striptease show. <laughs> if, if, I, if I am finally writing, and because I have no more inspiration, I don't know, someday, I'll become a stripper because now... I, Yes, at least I, I learned a different profession. It's, it's good. You know? I have this, have this good side. And this is closely related to, to airports. Sleeping, she saw us. Elena dreamed we were waiting in line at an airport. A long line where every passenger had under the arm the pillow on which he or she had slept the night before. The pillows were sent through a dream reading machine. The machine detected any dangerous dreams that threatened to disturb the peace. The 20th century was born proclaiming peace and justice, but it died bathed in blood and it passed on a world much more unjust than the one it inherited. The 21st century, which also arrived heralding peace and justice, is following it in its predecessors footsteps in my childhood I was convinced that everything that went astray on earth ended up on the moon but the astronauts found no sign of dangerous dreams or broken promises or hopes betrayed if not on the moon, where might they be? Perhaps they were never misplaced. Perhaps they are in, hiding here, hiding here on earth, waiting, esperando, esperándonos a nosotros, los humanitos. Darwin told us we are cousins of the apes, not the angels. And later on we learned we emerged from Africa's jungle and that no stork ever carried us from Paris. And not long ago we discovered that our genes are almost identical to those of mice. Now we can't tell if we are God's masterpiece or, or the devil's bad joke. We can't. We puny humans, exterminators of everything, hunters of our own, creators of the atom bomb, the hydrogen bomb, and the neutron bomb, which is the healthiest of all bombs since it, it vaporizes people but leaves objects intact. We, the only animals who invent machines, the only ones who live at the service of the machines they invent, the only ones who devour their own home, the only ones who poison the water they drink and the earth that feeds them.
the only ones capable of renting or selling themselves or renting or selling their fellow humans, the only ones who kill for fun, the only ones who torture, the only ones who rape, and also, and also, the only ones who laugh, the only ones who daydream, the ones who make silk from the speed of a worm, the ones who find beauty in rubbish, the ones who discover colors beyond the rainbow, the ones who nourish the voices of the world with new music and who create words so that neither reality nor memory will be mute y también y también los únicos que ríen los únicos que sueñan despiertos los que hacen seda de la baba del gusano los que convierten la basura en hermosura los que descubren colores que el arco iris no conoce los que dan nuevas músicas a las voces del mundo y crean palabras para que no sean mudas la realidad ni su memoria. Gracias. two of Eduardo Galeano reading from his book Mirrors, Stories of Almost Everyone published in 2009 he was reading in Oakland in the summer of 2009 as part of a series of KPFA literary events you can visit our website at kpfa.org to find out more about upcoming KPFA events with Erica Bridgman at the controls I've been your host Amelia Gonzalez thanks for listening
of The Matrix? The movie? No, not the movie, but the one you're living in. If so, then hang out with your friends at The Full Circle. What's The Full Circle? Full Circle is a radio show written, produced, and directed by apprentices right here at KPFA. We'll bring you everything from the obscure to the obvious, the hidden and the blatant, as well as all things in between. So be informed. Hear about your world community every Friday night from 7 to 8 p.m. on 94.1 FM, where we'll serve you the red pill with love. What am I without my shadow? What is life without knowing that death comes? Yeah. What is a song without a melody? Yeah. 